Leafs are doing a thing. Brad. Trey Living. Looks like he's going to be the next general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Of course, Flames GM for nine seasons. Elliot Friedman. Kind of a good guest. Kind of a decent guy to have on today in a few minutes. So this thing came down last night, right? I'm just chilling. I actually watched the, the third season of I Think You Should Leave. High reviews from me. Not going not gonna to discuss that today. Thought maybe I'd be sprinkling that in into the podcast only. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching the Jays and I've got a couple of Jays angles. And Elliot was already coming on, fortuitous timing. Mm-hmm. But I'm just sort of sitting there on the couch, melting, rotting, you know, long day. And then I get that news and I just immediately you know, pound the pavement for all of you today, (laughs) pound the pavement, try to get the info, try to shop around, ask some people about Trey living, try to make sure I did was doing the deep dive into his past. This is a weird thing. Like he was the favorite pretty much from the jump. And yet it never, it always felt like something was going to happen. And this is what I can't wait to get into with Elliot today is, you know, the, the process here. And how things got expedited and what we make of the actual market. Because I think this, this for me is a two things can be true spot. I actually like the hire. I like Trey Living. I know that a lot of people don't think that it's the sexiest hire because I know a lot of you felt a little like I did where you're waiting for the, the sexy name to come out of the woodworks, right? Oh, Toronto was a dream job for Doug Armstrong. How could he get his way out of St. Louis and over to Toronto? Hey, who could, what name is going to emerge here? And it was kind of fun to have that, right? Like we really wanted it to be succession finale where people were, everyone was betting this and figuring who was going to end out on top, who was going to end up the CEO of Waystar Royco, who was going to end up being the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So I like the hire, but it is a little interesting to me that we really didn't hear any other names. Nothing else was really floated around overly seriously. It was just the Trey Living name and then a week later, He's essentially the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and again, it's not done yet. People are saying that it looks like it's done. We'll talk to Elliot in a couple of seconds, see what he says is the latest with this thing. But if you listen to his 32 Thoughts pod, he's, kinda, he's basically saying this is going to come down to contractual agreements and whether or not they can meet on all their contract stuff. So let's just take a little quick peek here at why I like the Trey Living hire. So... I have a tough time with the Kachuk Goudreau stuff because this is a guy who actually has, if you look back at 2015 and 2016, he absolutely obliterated a couple of drafts. In 2015, he didn't have a top 50 pick and he still grabbed Rasmus Anderson and, and Andrew Mangiapane. Pretty damn good. Pretty damn good for the Calgary Flames. And then the next year, he grabbed Kachuk, he grabbed Dylan Dubé, and then he grabbed Adam Fox. And this is the weird thing about trying to evaluate Brad Treliving's time in Calgary. He built a bunch of really good teams. If you recall, a year ago when they were going to go face the Edmonton Oilers, that team was the favorite. Everyone looked at them as, hey, these guys might be Stanley Cup favorites. It's going to be them and Colorado. These are the two best teams in the West. This team has been built properly. And then they ran into this McDavid Budsaw who... Just killed him. Him and Leon Dreisaitl on one foot. It was basically, I said it at the time, and I've said it over and over again, that was the 
closest I've seen for to a hockey version of Shaq with McDavid in that series. He just dominated. He crushed them. He destroyed their souls. And it really just changed everything in Calgary. They ran into a great player in his prime having a career moment for McDavid. And things melted down. And that's where you started to see the stresses of, ah, he never really got the goaltending right. Ah, maybe all these guys aren't completely all in because Johnny Goudreau was a ghost in that series. He was just an absolute nothing in that series. Kachuk a little bit too. Matthew Kachuk had a tough little cycle before he has become the number one god in Florida. But Trey Living has also been a really dealt a really tough hand with his market. Adam Fox refused to play there. He picked him. There was nothing that he could do. He had to turn him into a trade, which he won, by the way, which he still won because you can't look at it like Adam Fox, he threw in that trade, and it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm oblivious to exactly who this guy is when he dealt him for Dougie Hamilton. Oh, I don't, I don't even know. It's like he refused to play there. He's had three of his best guys ever tell him, we do not want to be Calgary Flames. And you can maybe blame him a little bit for creating that culture or not creating a better one or not making a better winner or whatever. But Johnny Goudreau wanted to go home. He went home. Matthew Kachuk wanted to play in American markets, and he flexed his muscle, and he got out of town. Adam Fox didn't want to show up. Those are three spectacular building blocks that Brad Treliving had that he just never he never got to keep. He never had a shot with. Extenuating forces pushed his hand in a way that he was just not able to kind of see that through. Ran into McDavid, has had some good drafts, has some flaws too. Like, like don't get me wrong. It's kind of funny that the Leafs, have gone from one general manager who is largely criticized for not being able to nail down the goaltending position. And that was also the thing with Trey living in Calgary was they just could never really figure out the goalie. And then finally they gave Markstrom all that cash. And then, you know how that story ends. There's a lot of band-aid goaltenders, some Brian Elliott's and some Mike Smith's. It just did not work out for Calgary. And part of the reason why some of those really good teams didn't make it over the hump. So I, I like this signing, and here's why. Good track record. I am curious to see how this is going to work. He's obviously been like looking at players and formulating thoughts despite his downtime here because he's already been looking at this draft. Guy with a, a really solid draft track record. Some definite misses, but come on, guys. This is the NHL draft. Like You're not going to go and find people that have immaculate draft records. Way more good than bad. A couple of just straight-up Hall of Fame-level good Drafts from Brad Trey living in 2015 and 2016. Some tough free agent signings. But again, this is a sport where it's not overly conducive to nailing those things and having them be spectacular. He and Kyle Dubas both made a Cali Yarncroc mistake. Both those guys looked at Cali Yarncroc and thought, one, let's trade significant assets for him for a Stanley Cup run. The other, let's sign him to four-year contract extension. But ultimately... I think the thing that I find most fascinating with him, the thing that I think is most interesting is that he just went through a similar a situation that the Toronto Maple Leafs are faced by. And if you look at just who seemed to be available, the names that were out there, the pedigree, and also just the, the human element of this, which is that Trey Living is honestly really well-respected in his field and he seems to be well-liked. I just, I never, I never saw the better option. And so there's a guy who I was, you know, listening to our next guest podcast. And as always, like they do a terrific job of putting this thing together and they're kind of outlining 
the past of this general manager. Because this is how we this is how we judge guys, right? It's based on their past. And they get the man here at Sportsnet, like podcast legend, Amal Delich, to pull up old audio of Trey Living talking about his experience with Johnny Goudreau. And that he didn't want to go through something like that again. And so I, what I find most interesting about this is how what were the other alternatives? Because to me, there wasn't a lot presented. And now you brought in a guy who has basically been on record saying he doesn't feel comfortable ever letting guys walk into seasons without contracts, the ilk of a Johnny Goudreau. And the Leafs have a couple of those guys who I would say I would value higher than him. Anyways, pretty good guest today, the incomparable Elliot Friedman. Good morning. Thanks for doing this. My pleasure, JD. Good morning. Good morning. You're you're busy, man, doing stuff, hey? Like you're probably I'm surprised you're doing this. I gotta be honest. I'll just start with that. Uh so what's the what's Well, the... you've you've asked for a while and yeah. like I try to make it work if I can. <laughs> I think the word you're looking for is beg. I've begged for a while. No, 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 no. I don't uh, believe I don't I don't believe that. That's so, not true. So let's just start with this. What what's the latest to you with uh this situation with Brad Trey Living? Well, he he he's the guy that they want. Uh, as their general manager, and he probably will be their general manager. But I think that if uh, we, um, I, I think if we uh, learned anything over the last two weeks, it's that mm-hmm. it, it may think that a contract's going to get done, but it might not get done. Now, I, I don't think these situations are completely the same. I think it will get done. I think they've told Tree Living he's their choice, but they have to get a contract done. Mm-hmm. So because of what happened two weeks ago, I'm just being careful until the contract is actually done. Is there stuff that still needs to happen between the Leafs and Calgary to have him get full autonomy here? Uh, I, that's, actually a, that's actually a really good question. Uh, I do think Toronto initially when teams were granted, eventually granted permission to speak to Tree Living, it was with the proviso that he not be allowed to work the draft. Right. And I'm sure that the Maple Leafs will try to see if they can get that changed. I'm just not sure what the answer to that question is. Well, it's interesting because I, I think that one of the upsides of bringing in Trey Living is his draft record, right? Like I just went over 2015 and 2016 and they're spectacular drafts. And yeah, if Adam Fox actually says he's willing to be a Calgary Flame, then maybe we're not even talking about Tree Living being the Leafs GM today, or if Kachuk wants to be a flame, or if Johnny Goudreau wants to be a flame. Like, and I know Johnny wasn't his pick, but yeah, it is kind of interesting that that would be something that's looming over these guys as they're preparing for the draft. Do you think, like, and this is just spitballing, so I just want to put that out there that this isn't a report, but do you think that that might have to come in the form of compensation for the Leafs if they want him sitting at the head of their draft? No, it can't. It can't be that way because. I, I like Jay, you may remember about a few years ago we went through a phase where if you wanted to hire someone you had to give compensation. Yeah. But it, but Bettman warned the teams if this becomes a problem, uh, I'm going to end this. And it became not surprisingly it became a problem. And uh, so he ended that practice. There's no compensation now if. Uh, if, if you hire someone. And in this case, this was actually one of the cases where we felt it wasn't necessary because, mm-hmm. you know, Tree Living's been fired and or he's not the GM there anymore. And actually his contract is up, I think, what, two days after the draft? Mm-hmm. So 
Um, I would say that this is a situation where compensation isn't necessary, but in the NHL, you can't really do that anymore. Okay, so I think that I'm going to speak from the standpoint of Leaf fans in terms of, yeah, I think that their biggest worries or questions with this is that, okay, so Trey Living comes in, his name was pretty much the only like real name of consequence. Like I know you reported others that got like, you know, a look, the Bergevin's mm-hmm. the world. Um, mm-hmm. I know that you had discussed and not reported that Doug Armstrong had done anything, but at least his name was out there and there at least seemed to be people behind the scenes mentioning stuff like this is his dream job. And I'm going, okay, like, what does that mean? Like, all right. But how, how extensive do you think this search went? Like how many names do you think that the Toronto Maple Leafs seriously looked at here? Uh, also a good question. I, I, well, this is one of the things that you get trapped in uh, in this job a little bit sometimes, JD, uh-huh. and that and that is that there sometimes is a difference in language between did they talk to someone or right. did they interview someone. Like uh, I, I think they interviewed Bergevin. Uh, I think they interviewed. Um, uh, I, I think they. I, I think they interviewed Bergevin. I think they interviewed some other people, I think probably Shirelli, probably Botterill, maybe Doug Wilson. Mm-hmm. But I think there were also some, they talked to some people and maybe those weren't necessarily interviews. Uh, look, I, I think the moment this happened, it was Tree Living's job to lose. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, he didn't lose it. Um, you know, Shanahan said he wanted somebody with experience. That was very important to him. So I think that cut off a lot of other people right away. Mm-hmm. Um, look, it, it's it, we're, we're basically getting a new GM, what, uh, 12 days after Dubas was fired. Mm-hmm. So um, it obviously wasn't a very deep process. I think he talked to a whole bunch of people. I think he did a lot of research on tree living. But I just – but obviously I don't think this was like – a super deep process in terms of lots of rounds or lots of people. Like, I don't even know how many people they met in person. Mm-hmm. They met in, they met tree living in person. Uh, I, they may have met one more person, uh, direct face to face, but I've never been able to confirm that. So I don't know. Yeah. I was listening to your podcast before the one that you dropped this morning, which by the way, that's why you subscribe to podcasts, everybody. And uh, like, I don't really need to plug yours. It's the biggest one in the country, but yeah, that's why you subscribe is that Elliot, I get to work today and boom, there's a brand new 32 thoughts sitting for me and people are trying to talk to me and I'm listening to you on two times speed, trying to make sure that I'm prepared for this interview so that I don't step on something that, uh, yeah, you already said, or at least I knew what was going on. I love that report where you're like, there's one other shadowy figure that was lurking and their name is completely veiled. We'll never know who that was. I can't, I can't wait till someday you report, hopefully, who that person was. Because, like, that's the thing. You're right. We just had, and I akin this to, everybody's been calling the Leaf succession, right? But we got four seasons of succession. It was years of timelines before we got the CEO of Waystar Royco. It was 12 days before we got a new GM in the chair for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so, yeah, I think it at least stands to reason that it couldn't have been overly extensive, and especially considering that Brendan Shanahan, at least according to him and everything that's out there, it was he was in the car after the Dubas presser before he even started thinking about other general managers, that there might not have even been a backup plan here. So I think that it begs the next question is, how, what, what were the timeline constraints here? Like, how much of this has to do with the hire? Uh, I, well, I think that... First of all, I don't think they were really thinking about replacements until Dubas's media conference, that right. Monday media conference. So that part of the equation is true. 
Um, you know, I, I think with this, I mean, the 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 length of time is. I mean, the Leafs said it. You said it. Um, you're the one who decides how long you want this process to be. I, I think one of the things here, there's no question is, look, I don't think they're trading Matthews or anything like that, and I don't think they're, tra- they're doing anything like that. And at the end of the day, I think that um, Matthews uh, wants to be a Leaf. I've said that many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you, you realize that you have to talk to him seriously as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that that's kind of, you know, where we are right now. I think that they simply said, there's not a lot of runway here. We want to get this done as quick as possible. And there's a person here that we're very comfortable with. And like, I mean, you could, I, I guess they just got to a point where it said, you know, we could prolong the search and continue the search. But, you know, I, I think, like I said, I think the moment this happened, Tree Living was kind of the guy. Mm-hmm. And it was going to take someone to beat him. And I just don't think that they felt that they found someone who was going to beat him in such a short window. So I texted someone yesterday that has, yeah, relation, has had a relationship with Brad Tree Living. And mm-hmm. I asked, you know, what is he like? And one of the responses I got was he takes his time. And he takes his time and sometimes almost to a fault, but always very honest and a good businessman. But I, I do wonder how that factors in with these timelines. Because you mentioned, you think Austin Matthews wants to be here, and there is yeah. a decision that needs to happen with Mitch Marner. There needs to be a decision that happens with Nylander. But I find that especially interesting because it's in direct contrast with that clip that you guys played on that Dubas podcast from a couple of days ago, which is him saying that he learned from the Johnny Goudreau situation. And I, I, I don't, I'll basically try to paraphrase what he said because I don't remember it verbatim, but it was something yeah. along the lines of he didn't feel comfortable going into situations like that again. And he learned from that experience. And so what do you think of just that balance with this timeline of, yeah, I'll say these three players because Tavares is going to be here. These three yeah. players that have, you know, short terms left on their extensions and a general manager that doesn't like to act too hastily but also has just gone through this. Well, I think in a lot of reasons, that's what made him, J.D., the most fascinating candidate was because he could say, okay, I went through this situation before. This is what I've learned, and this is what I would do differently, or this is what I would do the same. Um, you know, so... I, I I think that that is going to be. I, I think that was part of his interview process. Um, I think you know. So I, I think what's going to happen is he's going to like one of the things I do think that happened was not only Tree Living but everybody else interviewed this job. Asked Shanahan, okay, what do you think about Matthews? What's in his head? What do you think about Marner? What's in his head? What do you think about Nylander? What's in his head? Um, I, like, I absolutely think they pumped Shanahan for information as much as he pumped them for what they would do. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that Tree Living definitely knows what Shanahan and therefore the organization thinks. And look, I, 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 like, I, I believe in betting on talent. Now, sometimes the, sometimes the calendar or the clock forces you to make decisions or forces you into decisions, and that's the case here specifically with Matthews and Nylander. But... Look, I, I, I've said this many times. I think Matthews wants to stay, and I think they'll figure it out. I just don't think – I don't know that they're going to figure it out by uh, July 1st. But, look, like, I think at the end of the day, it's like the Bruins and Pasternak. 
If you believe that a player wants to be in your organization, you take your chances. And, and I think that's what they'll do. Yeah. Um, this is probably a really hard one to answer, but given Matthews's leverage, do you think that he had any consultation on this? I think that they kept him and uh, I, I think that they would have told him or given him an idea of what was happening. Mm-hmm. I do think Shanahan has been communicating with some of the players and just saying, here's kind of what's going on. But I don't think they're going to give him say over who the general manager is going to be. Yeah. Like I was just reading a story this morning about uh, the Packers. And uh, I guess there was, a, there was a story written today that Aaron Rodgers wanted the GM to be fired. Uh, and yeah. it, and <laughs> you just read that story? And, yeah, well, no, but I think there was one that came out this morning, oh, okay. right? No, I didn't yeah. see it. I'm just joking because Aaron Rodgers has made it very clear he likes to be GM quarterback. Yeah, so I, I think it came out this morning, and, you know, the Packers were like, we're not doing that. I think, I think you have to be collaborative with your players, but I don't, especially your star players, but you can't give them that much power. So I think Matthews and other players kind of know – I've been filled in with what's going on here and there, but uh, I, I don't think that he would have like veto power or anything like that over this hire. So when the Dubas firing happens, the thing that starts coming out from essentially everywhere is it's a mess and that there was real dissent among some of the ranks that some of the Dubas people are shocked and yeah, frankly, appalled, right? And that some of the Shanahan people, like it's kind of dividing into camps and we see the immediate departure of Spezza and we wonder how many other people are going to follow. So I, I, how stable is that organization right now? Like how stable is this front office and how much of this hiring now and just getting, getting it done maybe expedites that or has a part to play in this? Are you talking about, like, the reaction of people after Dubas got fired? Well, yeah, just like the people within the Toronto Maple Leafs organization. Is, is your understanding that right now, like, as they've made this decision, that it is a little bit more stable there in terms of who they know is going to be around, the people that were sort of in Dubas's camp maybe buying back in, or, like, we're going to start to see some more departures as Trey Living gets in here? Well, I think some of that could depend on, you know, what Dubas decides to do. Mm. And, you know, like one of the things that always happens here is, like, let's just say, for example, Dubas takes another job. There's, like, he'll, he'll say, look, I, he'll go back to his, the lease and he'll say, here's who I would like to take. And the lease, and, and so, this gets negotiated sometimes. Like, mm-hmm. the team will sit down with the, with the team and, the, and the, the old team and the new team will say, okay, here's the, here's the maximum amount of people you can take or here's who we're going to let you take. And so that does happen all the time. There's kind of a negotiation between what, what, what a former team is willing to do or not. Like, I think initially the plan was, um, you know, they, they, they hire a new, Toronto would hire a new GM and they probably move forward with a lot of the same people in place. Like a new GM would want to bring in some people here and there, but I don't think Toronto was preparing for like a mass purge or anything. I do think some of the stuff that's been written since then has has made Toronto consider changing their mind. Mm. I do think the organization has uh, thought, um, do we have people who simply can't get over it and we need to make changes? Um, You know, like Shanahan and Dubas, to be honest, really prided themselves on keeping secrecy. Uh, If they feel that people in the last couple of weeks can't be trusted because some of the stuff that got out, 
then they will make changes. I, I think, put it this way, I don't know where this is going to go because, like, it was emotional before and some of the emotions are running out now. But I do think that Toronto considered making some changes or making moves that they weren't initially going to do because they didn't like some of the uh, the things that were said in the aftermath and they thought if people can't get over it, we'll just move on from them. And that would make sense, especially if, you know, the the belief is that Dubas has remained very, very quiet and that some of the leaks that have happened were not from him directly, that Mm -hmm. these were from people that were his supporters. And I would imagine that, yeah, that it's going to be maybe not easy to suss that out for the organization, but like they would maybe have Mm -hmm. a pretty good idea. The biggest one though is, Brandon Purdom, like the guy who was asked to be looked at as a GM of the team the Leafs are poaching a general manager from. Where, where do you think he stands in all of this? Uh, I think a lot of that's going to be up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like, does he want to stay? Like, if he wants to stay in the organization, and there are, I mean, I, I don't speak for Brandon Purdom. He can speak for himself. Um, but And there are people who believe he does. <laughs> like, I mean, they're going to have room for him. Like, he's a guy who knows the salary cap really well. He practically wrote it. And don't forget that when Brendan Shanahan got hired in Toronto, one of the people he brought with him was Pritam. And so if Pritam wants to stay in Toronto, I think they'll be more than happy to keep him in Toronto. If, um, you know, somebody else wants to take him or somebody, or, or like, you know, they'll have to ask the for permission and we'll see how he feels. But... Um, you know, like I, I think if there's, if he wants to stay in Toronto, he'll be able to stay in Toronto. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's funny you say that cause I'd always just considered him to be a Dubas guy. And so when you were talking about the potential of Dubas taking a job somewhere else, that that would be the relationship. But yeah, I don't know why, is it a good thing to try to ask for a lateral move? And doesn't that get blocked by the Leafs if they were going to block him from getting a GM job? Well, I, I think one of the things that people were kind of wondering about, like, is if Dubas took the Pittsburgh job, mm-hmm. would he be the president of Hockey Ops? And, and, and if he wanted Pridham, he could bring him there uh, as the GM, which would be a promotion. But yeah. who knows? Like that, like, that whole situation is another thing in itself. So, But, yeah, generally teams do block lateral moves, and also somebody has to be willing to leave. Yeah. Um, like, you know, like I said, there are people who suspect, again, and I don't speak for Pridham, I, I don't want anyone to take this as the gospel, but there are people who suspect that he's he's content with life in Toronto and he's mm. happy to stay there, and I know Shanahan would would love to keep him. Yeah, I, it, it's a good job. <laughs> it seems like a pretty it's a decent... a very good job. Yeah, it seems like a pretty decent job. Like, I, I yeah. do love that it gets, gets spun into, man, if he's not the GM, how mad is he going to be? I was like, I don't know. I feel like I'd be okay with that, especially given, yeah, the years on the job there. So I do want to ask you about some of the Duba stuff, but last thing yeah. for me anyways on the Leafs is I was... I think that the, the one of the biggest nuggets that you had today on today's 32 Thoughts podcast was that... You don't think it's a guarantee? I, again, I, I hate paraphrasing you. So you say yeah, the thing. This, let's say this. This is how someone who's better at their job than me does it. They go, how does this impact Sheldon Keefe, Elliot? Well, I don't think it's a guarantee that Sheldon Keefe is going to be out. There we go. Um, from what I understand, I think Tree Living, uh, from what I understand, what he told them was he's more than willing to consider keeping them. Um, that uh, he doesn't know him and would like to talk to him. Like, you know, one of the situations, like, I, I don't like, I don't like groupthink or 
Well, like too often people think, oh, a GM comes in, oh, I have to get my guy as coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that does happen a lot, but there are situations where it hasn't. Like if you'll remember when Mike Gillis was hired as GM of the Canucks, he didn't fire Alain Vigneault. He kept him and they had a, he inherited him and he kept him and they had a very good run together. And from what I understand, True Living is open-minded on that issue uh, and that he is prepared to talk to Keith and, and meet with Keith and, and see if there's and see if it makes sense. Like I, I don't think that true living coming here means it's guaranteed that Keith is out. And as a matter of fact, I think there's a decent chance that uh, he ends up staying. Okay. I think the bigger, I think the bigger question JD becomes, do you let him go into this year in the last year of his contract? Like I, I like that, that's, that's usually the thing that becomes uh, crazy town. Well, yeah, if this is where I found them in the difficult position with Dubas too, where you're going, okay, so you're offering an extension, uh, you're trying to go, you, you should learn that the lame duck thing doesn't really work for you. It is more common, I think, with coaches than it is with general managers, but it just feels so strange to also be trying to reward a coach with a contract extension who was on the hot seat and, yeah, has not had a ton of playoff success. But uh, the, like the other part of this though too, I wonder is how much of that position by the Maple Leafs might be, and by Trey Living, might be a byproduct of kind of something similar that they just dealt with with their GM search, which is, well, who's the replacement? Who's out there? Because they just lost one of their guys, Spencer Carberry. Um, it, I, I don't know, maybe you tell me if this is wrong, but it looks like Peter Laviolette is a favorite, at least, to be landing the Rangers job. Um, Andrew Burnett has been snatched up. Like, what, are, what would the options even be for the Toronto Maple Leafs? Uh, I think that uh, I, I think that you know what I like. I, I'm a person who's gone into the last year of my contract before. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to bet on yourself. Mm. Um, you know, like I, I think the bigger question is how do the Leafs feel about it after the way it played out with Dubas? Like, would they want that again? Um, you know, the, the thing is like. It, it, and if you have, I think the tough thing about it is when you're like, and, and Keith wouldn't be the only coach this year. There's a few coaches who are going into the last year of their deal. And we'll see if they get extended. Like, you know, Seattle's got a press conference day. And I'm kind of wondering if there's any chance Haxel's getting extended. And, um, you know, I, I think that, so I, but I think in this market, it's trickier. Like, look at how, Look, like the Dubas situation dominated the conversation, JD, all year, mm-hmm. all year. And so I think anytime you've got that, um, do you want that to be a story all year? Like ultimately you control the narrative. And if you want, and if you really need, and what would the Leafs say about how well this played out with Dubas? Do we want that to happen again with Keith as the coach? Now, generally, I think that, uh, Again, I only judge others. I judge myself. I've been in the last year of my contract. Mm-hmm. I've had situations where that worked out well for me. I've had situations where that didn't work out so well for me. But I've never been afraid to bet on myself. And like, I, like if I was Keith, you know, if you can put aside the noise, if you have a, if if you think you're going to have a good team, and Toronto will have a good team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it doesn't, it wouldn't scare me, but it's just a lot of noise. Like not everybody can shut out the noise. Mm-hmm. 
I think there's been times too where he hasn't shut out the noise, or at least he's had slips at at media conferences. And I've gone. Oh, that's no one's right. perfect. Yeah, no, no doubt one, about JD, it. If you're facing the media, you know, 250 days a year, yeah. you're gonna have days where it doesn't go right. It's just, it's just life, man. It's uh, just life. As the media who does this live every day, I can tell yeah. you, I relate deeply. <laughs> I have had more than a day or two where it's been bad, where I get that text from the boss. Hey, can I talk to you for a second? You go, uh, yeah, I know this isn't great. <laughs> this isn't going to be, you're so good at your job. Thank you for your service. Uh, are there any other coaching names though, that you would keep an eye out for? Like anybody that's out there, you know, like kind of like you did with Doug Armstrong where you go, Hey, this isn't a report. This isn't anything, but Hey, maybe these are some names that you would be looking at if it isn't him. Are you talking about instead of Keith? You yeah, mean? Keith like, does end up departing if they can't I, make things I, I'm not. I'm not going there yet. Ah. Like I'm not. Like you know what, JD? Because yeah. I think I think much more likely than not, it's going to be him. Okay. So, uh, so I, I think that unless now, look, unless unless we get into a situation where uh, like someone asks for permission to talk to him or the like the or the least decide there's someone else out there that they absolutely have to have. But I'm saying, like, as of right now, uh, May 31st, that reminds me, i got to get my banking done today, 9.33 a.m. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm under the impression that Tree Living is, from what I understand, Tree Living and Shanahan talked about, they are willing to, that they want to sit down with Keith, have the two of them get to know each other, and then see if there's any need to make a change. And from what I understand, like I think Shanahan told the GMs that he, the prospective GMs that he interviewed that it's going to be up to you, but I, I am happy with him and I, I wouldn't, I would like to keep him. Hmm. And I don't, and from what I understand, there were very few, if any, that disagreed. So I'm operating under the impression that, this is going to continue unless I'm given reason to believe otherwise. Well, it would be interesting business practice if they did hold on to him at this point and then they couldn't come to an extension or they couldn't come to an agreement for next season. And then you're working within a depleted coaching pool and you've also hurt Keith's chances of getting hired somewhere else for that season. So just even from a lot like a logist, like a logical look at it as a step back, look at it. That does sound like it makes a lot of sense. Okay, so how is the Dubas part of this playing in? Because, you know, again, you mentioned it today on your podcast. There's a lot out there right now. There's, oh, some, yeah. there's some people saying there's no way he's taking this job. Um, I, like, it, 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 get, Tell me if I'm wrong. It seems like Pittsburgh has offered him this job, and it's in his hands. I'll, is he going to take it? And if he's not, what, what is holding him back? Well, I like like I understand. I haven't seen all the reporting, mm-hmm. but people have told me there are conflicting reports. Okay, and I just want to say I I completely understand that. Based on what I was chasing yesterday and what I was trying to figure out yesterday, there were definitely people who were under the impression that he turned it down, and there were definitely people under the impression that he was going to take it. Mm-hmm. And so I think that tells you what yesterday was like, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and uh, like the best answer I can give you, as I said on the pod this morning, JD, is that I don't think, as of last night, I don't think he'd made a final decision, or I don't think they've gotten everything done. So um, I think Pittsburgh has indicated 
we need an answer by some point. And I, I would assume it's this week. Like Pittsburgh has decisions to make. Um, but I don't, I can't give you that exact timeline, Mm -hmm. but I just don't think as of last night, he decided. Now it's interesting as we were doing this uh, interview, I got a text from someone who said like, if I was running the show in Pittsburgh, the fact that you hadn't decided might be decision enough for me. Mm -hmm. And I understand that point of view of thinking, but I don't know if that carries the day. So I think we're in a point where, you know, they, at some point this week, they have to uh, bleep or get off the pot, really. And um, I can tell you this, I, I believe I have a handle on the possible considerations if Dubas doesn't take it. Mm-hmm. And I was under the impression, not from speaking to those people, but people around them, that they hadn't been notified one way or another. So to me, this is still in a holding pattern until someone makes a decision. Now, the other thing I, I said on the pod this morning, and I'll reiterate it here, is that I do think that other te- there are other teams. I don't know if in play is the right word, J.D., mm-hmm. or it's simply that there are other teams who just kind of reached out to him to say, okay, what, what are you thinking here? And, like, look, like if Dubas is a free agent and you can add him to your front office, mm-hmm. I think that there are teams that will consider doing that. Um, I don't know that it means that, like, they're going to, I don't necessarily think, (coughs) excuse me, I don't don't think it necessarily means, J.D., that they're looking to fire their other GMs or anything like that, but I think there are some situations where GMs don't have a lot of term or the structures of organizations could be different, and I think they could be saying, okay, um, what if we add them? And I, I also think that that has occurred. Like, I know there's been a lot of rumors about Ottawa. Mm-hmm. I think that depends on the the ownership group potentially that gets in there. I think some of them I can see him being a fit with. Some of them I can't. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I, I suspect, and I strongly suspect, that there are other teams out there who've reached out to him. Mm. Yeah, so maybe if he doesn't take the Pittsburgh job, the more likely outcome is that it's basically like an Alex Anthopoulos situation when he left the Jays, where I think he became the vice president of baseball operations with the Dodgers, and then right after he goes and takes the general manager job with the Braves. Basically like a stopping point, but like a smaller potentially in title, but keeping his options open to take a bigger job potentially the next year, with whether with that organization or with, or with another one. Or, yeah, I, I think that's possible. I think that's a good comparison. And I don't necessarily mean things can jump around from team to team. Mm-hmm. It might be come into our front office, and we'll see if the role expands over time. So, yes, I, I do think that's a very fair way of looking at it. Okay, I forgot one question, and I'm going to ask it, and then I'll let you go. And you've been extremely generous with your time, and I'm sorry for keeping you so long on such an important no, day. J.D., look, i got to tell you something. I hope you take this in the fun way it's intended. Yeah. I know if I'm coming on with you, I better budget my time. <laughs> Listen, things are happening. And if I, if, I, if I had you on for 10 minutes, asked you three questions, and people were listening to this, they go, dude, you had L.A. Freeman asking three questions. You, you thought it was better for you to fill the time today? Like, <laughs> I don't think I would have a job. So, yeah, I understand. I get it. I get it. So I get it. Part of the Dubas-Shanahan fallout and some of the things that trickled out afterwards had to do with the power structure, right? This wasn't just a money play for Kyle Dubas. This had to do with what his autonomy would be and who he would report to. And streamlining was the sexy word, yeah. right? Streamlining. Yeah. How yeah. much of this stuff has come up with tree living to your understanding? 
You know, I think the thing about True Living is if you've looked at the, the at, since he's been in Calgary, look at the people he's worked for. Um, he's worked with the late Ken King, who was a big presence. Uh, he's worked with Brian Burke, who was a a, a big presence, obviously. Um, you know, John Bean, who's the current president, you know, he's more of a quieter guy. He likes the background. But Murray Edwards, as the owner, is is a very big presence. So I think that he understands, like, how it all works. And also, you know, he's from the corporate world, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, people know his, uh, where his, what his family does. So I think he has an understanding of how to manage not only down but up and what that takes. So I don't think this whole thing, uh, like, honestly, like, I think you recognize that when you come here, um, there's a way that this is all going to have to work. And I don't think he's uncomfortable in that kind of world or reality. Mm. Yeah, I thought it was always just very interesting that that was part of the discussion given, and I think that this is even, and, and I know like the position I'm in and that you're in in terms of the, our employer, so it always sounds like you're, yeah, just, uh, I don't know, sucking up or trying to save your job, but man, look how quiet this was in terms of, you know, you reported some really great stuff, but there's still a guy that may or may not have been here and interviewed in person that we don't know, and so some of this was about like a leaks and streamlining I don't know. Dubas had a lot of different people that were employed under him that were kind of his guys. And yeah, I would imagine that this maybe, I, I don't know how big it actually is. I wonder more if this is going to be about the relationship between tree living and Shanahan. If Shanahan's hiring him and he's taking this job, I would guess that they're pretty comfortable with whatever the power dynamic between the two is. Yeah, I would yeah. think so. I mean, at this point in time, I like, you, you know, you can't, after everything that's happened here the last couple of weeks, mm-hmm. you can't think that you, you can't, come into a situation and say, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. Like, your mm-hmm. eyes should be wide open about how it's set up and how it works. Uh, Elliot Friedman, thank you for budgeting your time wisely for me. <laughs> no uh, I do appreciate no it. Problem, thank dude. you for doing this today. And, yeah, good luck with the rest of it. I'm sure that uh, it's not going to slow down for you. Thanks for coming on, man. No, it's not going to be quiet, J.D. No. Have a great day, okay? You, you Take too, care, pal. Uh, there you go. It's Elliot Friedman of 32 Thoughts. Okay, so a couple things here. The key thing is obviously like it's weird that the Leafs are hiring a general manager today, but that key thing really stands out, right? Because we've been basically bracing ourselves for the idea that Brad Tree Living was going to be the GM, right? Mm-hmm. Also, quick funny anecdote. At one point his dad, Jim, followed me on Twitter during free association time, and I think was a bit of a fan of the podcast. And then unfollowed me. What? <laughs> yeah. Wow. So, tough must have hurt. Oh, I noticed it because I was like, <laughs> holy crap, Dragon's dead. And then it was gone. <laughs> it was gone shortly after. So I did like four tweets and he went, who is this bozo? It must have been a mistake. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, but we've embraced ourselves for Trey Living to be the general manager. And we've kind of, like, it's, I was already prepared to be doing the show, basically, right? I already knew the pros of what this guy's done. I've already, I, I did the deep dive yesterday on his resume, but I already knew a large swath of what he had accomplished and sort of the way that I was spinning this and why I knew that he was kind of the right guy. And, and I do think that the Kachuk thing and the Gaudreau, the Gaudreau thing have been interpreted sort of as Rorschach tests to eye of the beholder with people with like the way they view the future of this franchise where you go, that's why you don't trade a Kachuk because if you try to get, you know, 50, a couple of, you know, quarters mm-hmm. for a dollar, 
or turn quarters into a dollar, you're not going to have the dollar. You're going to lose the trade. He was forced into that position. But I do want to say, like, at the time, people all pretty much unanimously thought Calgary won the trade. Yeah. And then he had the wrong coach for Huberto. And, yeah, Huberto was a nightmare. It was a disaster. And now the face of the Stanley Cup playoffs this season is making it seem as though that that trade was just beyond horrific, taking out some of the extenuating circumstances. I think that all things considered, that was pretty decent. The Goudreau one, again, they had a really great team. And Elliot mentioned it. You got to bet on talent. It's hard when you see that happen, and it seems so inevitable. But the way that Flames team was, what Johnny Goudreau had been to that city, you can kind of understand the way that they did it. What were they going to do as they headed into a season where they were contenders? But at least you're bringing in a guy who does have that experience. Like, if you're one of those people that was critical of Dubas, you're saying that, well, he learned on the job. He learned on the job, and he got better year over year. Well, I don't know why you can't apply that thinking also to Brad Tree Living and say, hey, this guy has actually gone through a very similar situation to the one that Toronto was in right now, being in a Canadian market with some American superstars and working under duress and having to field a bunch of different phone calls around the league and potentially find a trade partner or find ways or no warning signs of players that might want to leave, how he may have handled the Johnny Goudreau situation differently this time around. So I think that's like really fascinating with tree living. And that's always why we've been prepared for the key thing is it always just felt like he was dead man walking. And then it was sort of forgotten, like just pushed aside going, Hey, the finals are on. Whoa. Celtics are coming back from three. Oh, tree living's probably gonna be GM. Vladdy's getting out all the time. Are the Jays bad? <laughs> <You know? laughs> What's up with the Jays? Nice win for the Jays yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, Keefe was just sort of in the shadows there. And now today it pops that, hey, these guys are talking, he likes Keefe, and it's not just Dubas's coach. But here's the thing with Keefe. I mentioned it. If you kept him this long without letting him go, like obviously there's a workable relationship here given the fact they didn't just let him go immediately with Kyle Dubas or shortly after Kyle Dubas. Mm-hmm. Didn't let him go and explore a bunch of other jobs. One of their guys, one of their assistants, Spencer Carberry, the guy that ran the power play, is over in Washington this morning. That happened last night as well. So guys were taking other jobs. Seats were getting filled. Sheldon Keefe probably would have had a pretty damn good shot given the depth of the coaching field right now. I just wonder that if there's any small part of this, any small part of this that looks at it and goes, hey, we can absolutely lame duck this coach. We do not need to give him an extension. We save the money here, and what is the alternative? Like, there is no Barry Trotz that's sitting out there where this time around where you go, man, you got to have that guy. Right now, the best coaching candidate left, by my estimation, is Peter LaViolette, who, not not horrible, you know, or good track record. Like, a guy who comes in and usually has an impact pretty much right away, maybe not the most long-lasting head coach in terms of success with each or, with each stop but someone who you know is going to like potentially change things around and put an imprint on your organization. After that, you're looking at lists of Seattle crack and assistant coaches. Straight up. It's, it's not a deep field right now. So I just, I wonder how much of that is playing a part of it of they look at Keith and say, why would we, when we're going through this moment of instability, try to bring in another new face who we are not convinced is necessarily better. So 
That's an interesting one to me. I would have thought, honestly, when the Leafs lost that playoff series, I thought that the only guarantee was that Sheldon Keefe was fired. This is quite the twist in our succession <laughs> story that potentially Keefe is the WAMS gams. <laughs> like, you know, that he ends up still with a seat. Anyway, uh, let's take a quick break. Let's come back and do Botano best bet for tonight. All right. Yesterday, best bet brought to you by Botano Sportsbook. Nightmare. <laughs> The worst part about it, though, is if you were listening, I, I don't know, this is what worst, worst part or best part, depending on how you listened to this show or not. Mm-hmm. What did I say? I liked the Jays' first five. Yeah. I liked the Jays in regulation. I actually liked the under in the game, which ended up miraculously hitting at <laughs> under nine and a half. And I made my best bet the only thing that didn't hit out of the four Blue Jays bets that I liked yesterday. So I did give out three winners. I just happened to pick the worst one. You hit 75%. God, no. The worst part about it, though, is that I moved off of the full game under, which would have miraculously hit and been a legendary sweat to do that. Ah. Mm. So frustrating. Anyways, can't win them all. I will say that there's nothing worse that right now when I'm on the seater than getting messages from people being like, big miss. Like, shut up. Block. 14 and three, by the way. Yeah. 14 and three. It's actually even better than that looking back. No, it probably is. I just, that's no, what I you remember. Anyways, I'm going down to the ballpark tonight with my buddy Blake Murphy. So, you know, I bet the home team. And this is my bet for tonight. All right. So, Matt Chapman has faced Julio Tehran twice in his career, two at bats, sample size sport. <laughs> you know, not, you can't really usually take things away from two at bats, except for in two at bats against Julio Tehran, he has two home runs. Matt Chapman, over one and a half bases tonight, plus 100. Lock it in. That is your best bet brought to you by Botano Sportsbook, the best sportsbook in town, the best sportsbook in Ontario, and the only one that I'm using right now, the global sports betting operator of 2022. Hit me up in the DMs anytime if you want to play Botano. Um, I'll be back tomorrow, hopefully with a little bit more Trey Living news. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. Talk to you then.